Empathy is not only the ability to understand how others are feeling, but also the ability to share those feelings. In times of crisis, being able to empathize with others is crucial. Today, we will share ways to build and practice empathy in our children as well as ourselves. Coming up on SE Elementary. Welcome, and thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, James Lucas. SC Elementary is brought to you by Frameworks of Tampa Bay, a nonprofit organization that empowers educators, youth services professionals, and parents and guardians with training, coaching, and research-based resources to equip youth with social and emotional skills. Right now, most states are in the process of opening back up. In fact, some people are starting to get into similar but different pre-coronavirus routines. Other people are holding out a little while longer, waiting to see how things start to shake out. Careful, thoughtful, and personal decisions regarding the pandemic are necessary in order to get us through this in a meaningful way, as is the ability to be empathetic. We've talked a good deal about empathy on this podcast, but to recap, empathy is putting yourself in the same boat as someone else. Empathy is being able to understand others and what they are going through and what they might need, and then acting compassionately. Right now, the situation with COVID-19 has become increasingly political. Regardless of where you stand politically, however, it's important to know that this is not a political issue and it has never been one. It's an issue about keeping ourselves, the people we love, and the people in our community as safe as possible. It's also about understanding that we are all interconnected, so we are most successful when we can understand others and be empathetic to what they need. Coming up, I'll be joined by an incredibly special guest to discuss building empathy, compassion, and kindness in our kids as well as ourselves. Welcome back. Typically on these podcasts, we try to include an interview segment with a teacher, school counselor, or one of our SEL specialists. Since today's topic is all about building empathy, I couldn't think of a better expert than my own mother, Cindy Steele, to join us. Hi, Mom. Hey, James. Thanks for inviting me today. You are so welcome, and I'm so excited that you're here. So growing up, my mom was really the one that taught both my sister and myself about empathy and what it meant to be empathetic, to be giving, to be compassionate and kind. And those are lessons that have stuck with me today. So let's start. Uh, first off, Mom, I remember from the age of three or four on, you teaching us the importance of being giving and loving and empathetic. That was something that was drilled into me from a very early age. Why do you think this was so important to you that we, Laura and I, developed these skills? Well, James, it was a gift 
from my mother, your grandma. Um, she gave this to me. She, this was the way that my brothers and I were raised. <clears throat> Mom always had a lot of curiosity um, and interest in life and in people. She it really emphasizes we were growing up um, the importance of listening to people's stories and to um, to uh, helping people in any way that you could and um, just to engage. Uh, and she knows she was a special needs teacher for a long time. Uh, she got so much joy out of seeing her students make discoveries about themselves and gaining confidence and um, all of their successes were her successes. So my mom brought us up in an atmosphere of that, of listening and caring and supporting. Um, the, the home atmosphere was respectful, um, joyous, and uh, we were always um, grateful and always remind, uh, reminded that that was an important aspect was gratitude. Um, it felt safe to explore and to experiment um, in my home and, and sometimes to be wrong, um, uh, which was, um, I think, a, a true gift. Uh, I wanted the same kind of supportive, exploratory, and um, curiosity-driven uh, upbringing for you guys. Yeah, and I think we definitely got that. And I remember very much about Grandma um, showing those things and teaching those things and you talking about her doing that, which is awesome. Um, yep. It was so cool and I think well ahead of her time. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. It was not the, the standard then. And um, she was kind of a rebel, but I think in a, in a really um, creative way. Um, so it's a gift that uh, we all inherited from her. That's awesome. And so going forward with us, uh, Laura, my sister, we were growing up, you were raising us in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, we had a computer with dial-up internet. I remember that. I remember yeah. you getting me a pager in fifth grade so that we could contact you. That was very cool and cutting edge. But that was pretty much it for technology and I know today there's a lot of discussion about technology and its effect on people especially on children but do you think this lack of technology made it easier to teach us about being empathetic um yeah I think it's so challenging today I really I don't envy today's parents at all so when you guys were kids you didn't have so much exposure to the craziness, um, ongoing craziness. You were aware. I mean, there were certainly, there were certainly things um, that were um, that you were aware of, current events and, and the bad things that were happening in the world or the frightening things, but not on such a moment-to-moment -moment kind of a, a level. Um, we were able to turn off from it, I guess. And as you said, we had dial-up internet. I was pretty. We were. I was pretty careful about how much we use that just because uh, the internet was a different place at the time. I don't think it was as scary though as it is now. Um, but there was just a constant barrage of, um, there's a constant barrage of information out there now and opinions and, you know, things that just are, it's hard for an adult to take. Um, and it's hard for an adult with experience in history to process it. But certainly uh, children, I would guess, uh, um, I would have a hard time explaining certain things to kids who didn't have the history in the context. I think it would be extremely challenging. 
Yeah, and we're seeing that today in the kids I work with, that that is a big challenge. But I do think yeah. one of the things we had on our our side because of the lack of technology was time. I know we were always busy. You were working. Laura and I had school stuff and activities. But especially as we became teenagers, we still seemed to spend a lot of time together. I remember you purposely making time for us to have meals and play games. And I know we would sit and talk a lot. Uh, you would also kind of ask us questions a lot. I remember that too. Usually they weren't overly complex questions, but things like, what do you think about this? Or what would you do if that would happen? I realize now that I'm an adult that it was more than just making conversation. You were giving us things to think about. That That's what my take on it was. Do, did you purposefully do that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. I wanted you guys to learn how to develop and trust your own thought processes and um, how to explore your own feelings about things and not just echo mine. So a lot of times um, kids will have the same opinion that their parents did, especially as younger kids. But I wanted you to feel comfortable getting out there and, and um, looking at new ideas, listening to other people's ideas and um, and and evaluating them and feeling comfortable changing your mind about things um, and also even being wrong. Uh, there's such a value to that to be able to. It's kind of, as you know, I was a... Um, uh, agile team leader for in my career and one of the concepts we had there was uh, build test and learn uh, which kind of uh, we used with um, in the family too was try it uh, see how it works evaluate if you're happy with the result and if you're not happy with the result then you tweak and you do something different next time so it was just a lot of fun to see how you guys developed your confidence and who you were and um, especially rewarding to see how you each developed a unique set of principles that you now live by and I think a lot of that is you know was um kind of driven by the the conversations that we had and the the challenges that we kind of gave each other and different ways to think about things yeah I definitely think that I still feel that I'm a good problem solver today and I like solving problems because we were exposed to that. I also think it's interesting because now we live in a day and age where it's just, if someone's wrong, it's just kind of the end of the world. They get so frustrated. We see it on the news. We see it all over. Like wrong is bad, but that was never the, the case. And I think it really helped us learn to, to make mistakes. Yeah, and it's so important to feel comfortable that if you make a mistake, you can deal with it. Yeah. And it's just part of life. It's not a bad thing necessarily. Exactly. And that's how we develop resiliency in kids, and that's how we develop these empathetic skills that we're talking about in kindness is by being wrong and learning from our mistakes. That's how you're ultimately able to empathize with people. Yeah. Uh, so solving problems again, like I said, an amazing way to help us develop empathy. And even now, like I said, I love to solve problems because I like understanding different sides of issues, even especially if it's is there issues I'm uncomfortable with. 
it's is uncomfortable to dive into that but it helps you challenge yourself and develop that empathy and at least try to understand where someone's coming from uh there was a whole lot of stuff you made us figure out ourselves laundry for instance i remember we were doing laundry we kind of just figured it out that was the, the approach um i definitely know how to do it now kind of being thrown into the fire but other things you also gave us a lot of room to form our own opinions on things and figure stuff out you kind of talked about it earlier but why was this trial and error process uh, so important to you why did you want us to do things for ourselves um because it's so empowering so one thing um that children tend to feel like they don't have a whole lot of control in their lives. I, I know that was true for me in some ways when I was kidding. I had a really wonderful upbringing. There were some things I felt like, especially as a younger kid, there just wasn't a whole lot I could do about certain things. Um, but being able to figure something out for myself, having a problem and being able to, you know, come up with a creative solution myself, it gave me a little extra power. It made me feel like I actually had some control over my life and, and the events of it. Um, it's a confidence builder, and, and it's also, it, um, it, it makes, I think it makes the child feel like um, they're a whole lot more able to face something and make kind of on-the-spot decisions about things um, without feeling out of control or feeling um, you know, feeling afraid, it, it, it builds a, a lot of confidence, I think. So we tried to make a safe space in our home so that you can experiment with different actions and consequences. You can make your mistakes and learn from them. Um, unless it was a dangerous uh, thing, I would encourage you to go out and try things. So if you remember our mantra at home a lot was nothing ventured, nothing gained. So go try it if you don't know what the result's going to be. Um, and we had a lot of fun with that in our house. Definitely we had some failures, but I think that um, even the failures gave you some confidence, uh, the confidence to try new things. Yeah, I agree. I remember I made a lot of mistakes. I think we all did as kids, but we were kind of in an environment where we learned from our mistakes, so there wasn't a lot of stigma with it. I mean, we knew the difference between dangerous and risky choices and other more lower stakes choices, which was important. And I think that really helped me become the person I am now. And so even talking about now, fast forwarding a lot of years, things are different, a lot different than when Laura and I were kids. Not only do yeah. we have this technology and social media and the ability to instantly share our thoughts and opinions about anything and everything, but we're in the midst of a pandemic, a once in a lifetime or even several lifetimes event that is, I, I think, frighteningly being made political, something that's really health-based and nature-based and rooted in, in science is becoming a, a, a political piece, if you will. I personally feel sometimes that 
a lot of the focus on being kind and empathetic and compassionate that we grew up with is disappearing. What do you see and what do you feel? And I, as a son, I'm kind of saying, help me feel better about this, mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I know it, that really does appear to be the case. Um, there's so many occurrences uh, in our face all the time of hatred and violence and national and world politics are, you know, are, are frightening. Um, but I think it's really important to remember that generations of people have gone through similar traumas, you know, like the Spanish flu pandemic and the world wars and national, uh, I'm sorry, natural disasters. And even though they've been horrible to go through, we've always emerged with new ideas and new norms and, and a new approach. Um, uh, change is difficult, um, but change is a constant. Um, so, and even now, you know, when you look at the chaos, um, and it, it's very hard to get your head around sometimes, but there are so many stories, so many examples of love and generosity and creativity that are emerging. You know, how business are, uh, you see businesses pivoting in really uh, creative ways to accommodate uh, the new reality. And people giving their time and talent, like artists, um, ballerinas, and classical musicians, and the Met Opera, people are donating um, their time and talent to help us get through this. So uh, I think we're seeing some amazing good. Um, and if you remember, you remember the Desiderata uh, that I had on the wall in my bedroom? It was uh, um, kind of a poem. I think it, I forget who it was, who wrote it, but it's uh, very famous. One of the lines in it uh, was, "And whether or not it's clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should." And that just really has always been comforting to me. Um, just having faith in the best possible outcome. Um, and just believing that that things are working out the way or unfolding the way they should. Yeah, that's awesome. And like always, I do actually feel a lot better after that. And I think when we look into it, you're right. It's kind of darkest when you're in the middle of the storm. And I think yeah. we're definitely in the middle of it. But there is a lot of kindness and compassion. And I think it kind of gets lost in the junk that we see. So being able to kind of just clear our heads of that and focus on ourselves and helping others. Um, I think that's, yeah. that's fantastic. Well, thank you to that. And in addition to the insight and wisdom you've shared as an awesome mom, you're now in an age range that makes you more at risk to this pandemic to COVID-19. So if we take all of the politics of the situation, out and we focus on kindness and empathy that you talked about what would you want others to know about empathy and kindness and compassion during this pandemic well the first thing i'm going to say is you're right I, um, both um, norman and i are in protected um, class i guess because of our age we're both in good health but there are fears um, there are concerns um, and we're all fearful now I think to some degree so I find myself less patient less empathetic and probably because of my own you know my own uncertainty and my own kind of underlying fears um, and I find myself being less than you know charitable sometimes or feeling 
toward people occasionally. So, but what I've always kind of held to, um, you know, back to even to my job in, uh, in corporate America too, was I find it really helpful to filter my comments. Anything that I might say to each other, not, not just normal conversation, but if, if I'm feeling upset or if I'm feeling passionate or emotional, um, I remind myself to ask um, three questions about what I'm going to say. So the, the ones I use are, is it kind, is it true, and is it necessary? Uh, and, and I think, I mean, a lot of us are, you know, we're all on the same boat. We're feeling really upset, and it's very easy to take it out on other people, but words are really powerful, and they can't be taken back. Um, so acts of kindness and just being patient with each other and uh, refraining from speaking unless there's something positive or, you know, helpful to say. Um, yeah. and, and being gentle with each other, gentle with yourselves especially and also with others. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. Um, and I would also add that I think we tend to, especially in moments of crisis, we tend to think about ourselves first because it's that fight or flight. Our, our brain's only objective really is to keep itself safe at any means. And so when people get panicky and especially when a herd mentality kind of takes over, it's easy to think about the me, me, me pushing someone out of the way for a roll of toilet paper, for example, or something like that, because it's just our natural reaction. But I think taking yeah. the time to think about others and being kind and making decisions, not just based on you, but what's best for those around you. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. And Agreed. As, so as we talked about earlier, giving kids and even adults the opportunity to solve problems on their own is really important and we can still do that now in this situation with the pandemic so maybe when other parents and kids are at home eating a meal sitting around the table they could ask a question like we're going to go to the grocery store today should we wear our masks or are we okay without them and based on the answer, we should also throw in some other quest questions around that to make them go deeper into their answers. I don't even know that there are right or wrong answers per se, but I think the most important thing is making sure our kids think about all the options and what others may need to stay safe and what we can do to help them stay safe. So. In the classroom, I know I've told you this before, but the thing I always tell my students is I tell them from the first day, my job is to keep you safe. Your job is to keep yourself and your friends safe because that safety, feeling safe is really important. Like I said, the fight or flight, if we don't feel safe, then it's us versus everyone else. So we have to feel safe. And I think this is exactly how we should approach empathy. But what do you think? I love this. Uh, I think it's so valuable and so important right now, um, especially in this age of cyberbullying and gun violence and just the fear and separation that we're seeing, you know, in our world. So um, there's a story that I know I've told you a time or two at least before. I've heard it throughout my life in different settings and in, um, different with different kinds of, um, you know, um, context but 
the idea is, it, it just seems really pertinent right now. Um, the idea is that, um, so people in, a, in hell are seated around the table with beautiful food in the middle of the table, but they were given really long spoons and they can't get the spoon into the food and then into their mouth. So they're starving. They're angry and they're starving and they're, you know, um, but then in heaven, uh, it's the same scenario. They have, uh, the people are seated, seated around a table with food in the middle and they have the same long spoons, but the people are feeding each other. So the message, and they're, they're, um, they're at peace and they're being, they're being fed and they're, they're, um, they're being full. So the message that I get from this, you know, I'm kind of um, taking this out to the question that you just asked is that, my feeling is that we create a life of joy by connecting with each other and nurturing each other. Um, by the same token, we create a life of sorrow um, by letting fear lead us. And I think those things can change um, moment to moment, but focusing on the, the joy and the connection and the taking care of others, I think that is what's going to get us through this. And we keep seeing such beautiful examples of, you know, of that. So. Um, that gives me a lot of hope. Well, I, I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you, Mom, for joining us today and all your wisdom and everything that you shared with us. I love you and appreciate you and appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor, James. I love you too. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about what we have discussed today, feel free to reach out to us on social media. And if you like what you're hearing, please rate us and recommend us to your friends. You can follow SE Elementary on Twitter at FW underscore SE Elementary. Also, to learn more about this topic and all things SEL, visit Frameworks of Tampa Bay at myframeworks.org. I'm James Lucas. I hope your week is full of kindness and we'll see you again next time.